Welcome to the Impact Church podcast. We are a community that doesn't pretend to have all the answers, but aims to have all the hope that you could ever need. We pray that this message is helpful and encourages you no matter what season of life you're in. Enjoy this week's message. Thank you very much, Sue. Yeah, can we thank Sue? Thank you, Sue. And as well, can we just uh, acknowledge, I don't know if that's a treat that anyone else has experienced before, but the full Lazarus band was uh was a truly great experience so thank you guys for leading us so beautifully this morning um through worship it was great to be able to sing together and again i want to say welcome i'm looking around it's wonderful to um to have familiar faces here and i'm really excited this morning to be sharing in the closing um of a series that we've been doing for the last three weeks i hope it's challenged you it's been a little uncomfortable at times this idea of kindness it's not just a christian trait but perhaps christians should most exemplify this trait, not because of what it does for us or kindness for the sake of kindness, but because we believe that that is one of the traits, one of the tools, if you like, that God used to reconcile himself to us. And no matter where you're at with the concept of a God who would, I guess, condescend to the point in some ways of showing kindness we sung about an almighty God this morning, some of those words in that. And then you think of that God and the fear and trembling and respect that is due, and you tie that into kindness. It almost seems a little soft. <laughs> but it is the tool, it's the trait, as we've explored over the last few weeks, that God chose to engage us back into relationship with Him. And of course, from that point, what can we do but respond in kind, no play on words there intended. As we kick off part four of this series, to close it off, I wanted to share um, just a quick video clip from a movie that I encountered this week um, from a remarkable man, some of you may know by the name of Fred Rogers, um, who was, yeah, recently played, I think it's the goal of life to have your life played by Tom Hanks, right? (laughs) So Tom Hanks played um, in a movie recently Um, this man called Fred Rogers. And I just wanted to share a brief scene as we close this series. So thanks, Maddie. We'll show that clip now. So there you go. It's uh, to give you some context behind what was going on there. We find this man, Fred Rogers, who I don't know if anyone knows a kids TV show by the name of A Day in the Neighborhood, um, which was quite popular from 1970 through about the early 2000s in America, apparently. And this man, Fred Rogers, became known as one of the nationally in America, one of the kindest men (laughs) on television. And unfortunately, as things go, that prompted some to ask questions and say, are his motives truly as pure as what they seem? And so the context of that conversation is actually this man, Fred Rogers, sitting across from a journalist who came to do an investigative piece on his career and on his personal life. And it came out later that this investigative journalist had not set out with noble intentions whatsoever, but hoping to undermine the integrity of Fred and the work that he did as a, as a very popular television show host for children and one of the kindest men in America, a reputation to, to certainly uphold. He went in to try and uncover whether there was something in Fred's life that showed that he was just too good to actually be true. And fortunately, the story didn't end much like it does too often 
with our role models and those, if you like, who are in those echelons of fame. But this, this journalist dug and he dug and he started with this distrust, this disposition of there's got to be more to you than just this beautiful, kind man we see on TV. There must be more. And as the journalist dug and asked questions, not only did he find that, no, Fred was exactly who he was on the screen, but he actually cared about this journalist. And he began to ask him questions about his own life. And years later, these two were dear, dear friends. And the journalist confessed. I set, out to ruin, I set out to ruin this man. I set out to show that he couldn't quite be as kind, as noble as he looks on screen. But I couldn't fault him. Not only could I not fault him, but he unlocked my hurt and my vulnerability and my pain by showing me kindness. When this movie came out recently, there was a journalist who wrote an article after seeing it. And she wrote these words. On the flight home, I became oddly emotional thinking about Fred and Joanne. Joanne is Fred's wife. About how much they had affected so many simply by expressing genuine care and kindness towards their neighbors. And as she told the movie makers, this is Joanne she's now writing about. Fred wasn't a saint. (laughs) And uh, if you read on in the article, you find out that it wasn't actually that Fred had anything dark going on necessarily, other than that in awkward social situations, he used to fart to make her laugh. (laughs) And that, in fact, is what she was talking about when she says that Fred was not a saint. What an incredible legacy, largely hinged on the innocent, simple trait of kindness, one that unfortunately is not always met with trust. But in the face of kindness that doesn't disappear, what can you do but give in? Joanne, Fred's wife, said this after he passed away a few years ago. He's out there now as somebody who's somehow way above all the rest of us, referring to his reputation after he passed away because of this movie. People invariably say, well, I can't do what Fred did, but I sure do admire him. I would love to do it, but I can't. Well, you can do it. I'm convinced that there are lots of Fred Rogerses out there. No one like a wife to bring you back down to earth, right? (laughs) But what a beautiful thing that she would say even considering the loss of her late husband who had it exemplified to a T, this trait of kindness that we've been exploring together. And what an incredible thing that Fred was able to lead, even journalists who had it out for him towards not only a relationship with himself, but Fred as a minister also led them towards relationship with Jesus. Two of the sentences that I want to just reflect back on from that movie clip, I want to take and kick off the next few minutes as we close this series. He says, I don't think you are broken. To a man clearly hurting, to a man clearly doing some soul searching, Fred looked him in the eye and said, I don't think you are broken. And then he asked him to spend one minute doing a simple activity 
He said, think of all the people who have loved you into being. Today, I want to talk about just one, I guess, kind of kindness, if you will, that I believe if we get right, has the capacity to shift not only our lives, not only the lives of those around us, and I'll lend some credibility to, uh, some credibility to this opinion, excuse me, later on, but the capacity to change the world as we know it. And you know, you know what I'm going to talk about. You know exactly what it is that this, that this thing that we get right or wrong and the influence it can have on our lives. And that, of course, is our words. Fred, a master of words, has just given us a beautiful demonstration of the power of words. But we're going to look at some slightly stronger words to consider the power of our own words this morning. You may be familiar with a passage that we are going to read together from James chapter 3. And we'll start from verse 3. And a fair warning, there's some fairly strong language coming up. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their whole body as well. It can't be comfortable. Have you ever thought about that? Just yanking someone's cheek just to steer them? It can't be comfortable. Or look at the ships too. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are nevertheless directed by, and I'll get you to just pause on this verse for a few seconds, Maddie, by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot determines. Now, I don't have to unpack this too much for us. We're very fortunate that James, in his letter, made it pretty clear what the power of our words was. Two very clever analogies there. But as I said, the language gets pretty strong. So let's take the next few verses Let's take a look at the next few verses together as well. From verse 5. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our body's parts as that which defiles the whole body, and sets on fire, I said it got strong, the course of our life. And it is set on fire by hell. I think what James is getting that is that that's a pretty hot fire. <laughs> really strong language. I don't know if you've ever paused in these verses we find in the epistle from James. And the beautiful thing about the epistle of James, well, it's actually two, two of my favorite things about James that I'll share. The first is that James wrote this to all the believers. So often when we look at Scripture, when we consider the New Testament, we have to do a bit of homework before we really dig in and begin to do application and ask ourselves questions because they were often letters written to a specific time, to a specific place, to a specific people group facing specific problems. So it's worth considering that context before we begin to consider the application that we take. But the cool thing about the letter of James is that James was seen as a leader of the church at large. The Apostle Paul, there was, they had left James in Jerusalem to kind of head up, if you like, what was happening in Jerusalem, to oversee not only Jerusalem, but by, um, by default the region surrounding as well and all that the followers of Jesus were doing after the radical encounter that they'd had 
with this man Jesus. They just could not stop talking about it. Perhaps you're familiar with who James is in the context of that story, but if you're not, it'll, it'll lend weight in a really powerful way to these words. You see, James, most scholars believe, who is accredited with this letter, was actually the half-brother or the brother of Jesus. Who harder to convince that you're the Messiah than your brother? (laughs) When you consider the prospect of trying to convince your brother that you, in fact, are the savior of the world, (laughs) perhaps we take more seriously the fact that James was not only just a believer, but an influencer, a leader in this following of his own brother's life, which had 30 years of ministry, a a brutal crucifixion, coming back to life, eyewitnesses everywhere saying, we've seen him, he's he's alive again. And we see this movement, this, this tiny movement just explode across the region. And who would you have leading it? I don't know if my brother would get on board with any initiative I got started. (laughs) But your own brother, James. So when we consider James and we consider the relationship he had with the news that you and I believe, and perhaps you're still wrestling it through in some ways, but consider James's perspective of this news, perhaps just for a moment. The fact that he would believe in such a way that he would go on writing, leading the churches. And what was it that he called out in such strong language in this powerful epistle of James? Good luck if you choose to go at home and read it by yourself. Have fun with that. It is a, it's, it's a firecracker. But considering just these few verses together this morning in James, considering the power of the tongue, the power of our words, according to James, gosh, we have a responsibility to think carefully about the way that we influence others with our words. And right at the end, James says, that which defiles the whole body, and catch this next few words, sets on fire the course of our life. What else can you say has the power to direct the course of your life? James would argue that your tongue alone, like the rudder of a ship, like the bit in a horse's mouth, can change the direction of our life. And as I said, I'm not teaching you anything new this morning. You know this. You know that words have the ability to influence where or where not you may end up in relationship, professional life, health. The words that you choose to share or perhaps not share have a significant influence on our life. But not only... Do they have an influence on our life? But they influence the lives of those around us, of course. I want to share just briefly another short video with perhaps one of the most amusing examples of this that I've ever seen. I know that there is at least one science teacher in the room who's probably very frustrated that I showed that video. Perhaps at morning tea we can discuss exactly how that would work. (laughs) Very good. Very good. And isn't it just... One of the most gut-wrenching examples of the power of words when we consider bullying. When we consider the investment, the time that our generation, that fortunately it's come right to the forefront, that we've put into trying to educate our next generation, that the words they say to one another can have 
significant influence. Isn't it just gut-wrenching when you see someone whose confidence is not altogether that high to begin with being told that they're not good enough or something like that. And it's worth acknowledging at this point too that perhaps more than ever the challenge is stronger because not only can we say words to one another, but we can post on one another. We can jump on any number of online forums. We can jump on email chains. We can jump on Facebook groups. We can DM Instagram inboxes if that's what you're into. Snapchat, I don't know. Does anyone have Snapchat? You can do that too. Whatever it is, the power of words has gone beyond just the face-to-face interaction that we have and we need to be aware of it. The power of words is also in our pockets 24-7 at this point in time. Will that be for good or will that be to the detriment of the next generation? The responsibility we take for our words is going to answer that question. Not only do words influence the course of our lives, words influence the course of others' lives. But of course, you know this. I'm I'm not saying anything new. I'm not saying anything that I'm sure you haven't considered before. James had considered before as well, and he was aware that a lot of other people had written about it. The book of Proverbs we find in the Old Testament is one of my favorite books to look at, that and Psalms, which precedes it. Perhaps you also love them as well. Proverbs, though, is often just looked at as, yeah, thanks, Matty. Words influence the course of our lives. And the next slide, words influence the course of others' lives. The book of Proverbs is incredibly uh, exciting, I suppose, to look at because... When you think about the accumulation of knowledge that is written over thousands of years, I'll save that one for a few verses' time. I'm not going to show Proverbs up on the screen. Thanks, though, Maddie. When we consider what's in that book, sometimes it's easy to write off Proverbs if you're familiar with it as just good advice. But what we have is the lived experiences of generations written down for us the dynamics that we face in life, the things that will go well for us, the things that won't go so well. Do this and things will go well, do this. And it is easy to oversimplify and take it as completely concrete, literal. And then all of a sudden you're like, who the heck wrote this proverb? I followed it and things didn't work out. So it's worth acknowledging that it is the accumulation of also people like us, flawed, broken people. But of course, we believe that the Bible is a little bit more than that too. We believe that the Bible has been given by God exactly in the form it needs to be for us to guide us today. Inspired, God breathed literally, if you read the original translation that Paul uses to describe the Bible. So when we consider the book of Proverbs and we consider the weight that it carries, thousands of years, generations of wisdom, consider some of these words. With his mouth, the godless person destroys his neighbor. But through knowledge, the righteous will be rescued. You destroy your neighbor. But hang on, it gets, it gets even more intense. Proverbs 9.11 says, By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is torn down. What tears down a city? The words of a wicked person. Proverbs 16, to jump to another one. The plans of the heart belong to a person, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The wise in heart will be called understanding. This is verse 21, and perhaps you've heard this before. And sweetness of speech increases 
persuasiveness. And verse 23 says, The heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. And verse 24, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And I didn't want to show those up on the screen because there's a whole nother sermon in those. So I don't want to try and unpack too many things in one day. But I read them out quickly to share with you that those are the things that James would have had reverberating in his mind as he wrote his own epistle. Thousands of years of lived experience of his people sharing what had worked in their life and what had not worked so well. Written so beautifully in Proverbs and then James takes it and gives us analogies with horses and boats just so we don't miss the point. Our words are powerful. But they would not have been the only words that James had reverberating in his mind when he was writing his epistle. There would have been a source slightly closer to date, not one that he had read, perhaps one that he had even heard in person when his brother Jesus gave one of his most famous or his most famous sermon of all time. We can read in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus' words that say, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Did you catch that? Our words can reveal to us and to others what might be going on in our hearts. So not only do our words have the power to change the course of our life, change the course of the lives of those around us, but they also are a telltale for what's really going on inside of us. Helpful, sure, but also slightly intimidating especially if you're a little bit tired or a little bit grumpy and the tongue starts to fire before you're ready for it to. Consider the power of our words. Like I said, I'm not sharing anything new this morning. You know this. But perhaps more, I felt to close this series with a reminder for myself as much as any, anyone else that our words, perhaps as much as anything else in our lives, will determine the kindness that we do or don't show and the way that it influences other people's lives. So when was the last time you did a spot check on the way that you communicate, on the way that you talk? Not only with your loved ones, but with colleagues, with people who perhaps are, let's face it, annoying. <laughs> How do your words influence the course of others' lives? Sue, you picked up on it again this morning. Last week, Sue shared a beautiful story from... Um, your own life, you shared um, that kindness can be like a movement of kindness. And you shared it again this morning after watching that video. I thought, oh my gosh, it's like she knew I was going to come back to it. I don't know whether you are aware of this book, but a famous Australian social psychologist by the name Huma Kay released a book earlier this year called A Revolution of Kindness. Not just a movement, took it one further perhaps. A Revolution of kindness. And Hugh's been researching human behavior for decades 
and is well known for generating reports that the, the government leans on in, in terms of making policy decisions. Perhaps you've heard of some, they were originally called the McKay reports. They've recently got a new name that I can't remember right now, but he's a social psychologist that has had serious sway in our country for a long time. And why release a book called A Revolution of Kindness now? Why, after decades of researching social interactions between humans, the way we behave and treat one another, would you choose to release a book about kindness now? Well, Hugh seems to think that it's probably more important than ever off the back of the experience of the last 18 months. That we become known, catch these words that Hugh says, powerful words, not just as a lucky country, but as a loving country. And what does Hugh think it will take to do that? Individual acts of kindness. Right at the beginning, I pointed to something we've revisited so many times throughout this series, that as followers of Jesus, kindness is an interesting thing to consider because you don't have to be Christian to be kind. But when we believe that Jesus exemplified kindness for us by laying down his life for us, should we not be known as the people leading a revolution of kindness? Hugh says this, revolutions rarely begin from the top, but they begin with individuals. All it would take, Hugh says, is Australians to decide that we are going to be kind first. And the good news is Hugh thought we did a really, really good job (laughs) during the pandemic. He speaks very interestingly about the fact that when we face fear, often our instinctive reaction is not a positive one. Sometimes we begin to hurt one another. But he was amazed by how quickly that shifted during the pandemic to kindness. So some encouragement there as we consider this really, really big idea. We can change the world without even spending a cent. Humankind needs our kindness more than ever. And some, including one of our most famous social psychologists ever, even think that it's the best time ever for us to do this. And while you don't need to believe in Jesus to be kind, we believe that Jesus exemplified, set the benchmark for what kindness could look like. So let's take our lives and off the back of this morning, hopefully you're aware of the power of your words, perhaps just reminded of the power of your words in doing so. And let's be bold enough to try and create a revolution of kindness. I have a few questions that I'd love us all to consider as we go into our new week. It says, consider the regular ways in which you communicate. What might they reveal about what is in your heart? And number two, is there someone in your world for whom you are concerned about the course of their life? And how could your words help to rechart their course? I hope those are helpful, constructive questions for you to consider. And I didn't want to close this without saying that I'm immensely encouraged by being a part of this community when you consider the role of kindness. 
in terms of punching above our weight, for showing kindness to the capital city of our nation. I think we do it really, really well. But I don't think that that means there isn't more we can do as well. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray together as we close this series. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you, you, you led us to relationship with you, back into functioning relationship with you, our creator, not through condemnation, Lord, but through kindness, by sending your son to set the benchmark for what kindness would look like, to restore us back to you. Lord, I pray that we would be renewed in our realization of the power of that this morning as we've shared in song and some of your words together. Lord, would you inspire us to be a people who might just be the catalyst, the spark for a revolution of kindness in this incredible city where you have us for this particular time. Lord, I thank you for each and every individual person here and I pray that as they go into their new week, your kindness would be felt in their lives, Lord, encouraging them to go out and overflow with that very same kindness into the world around them. In your mighty name we say, Amen. 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 Thanks again for joining us for this week's message. We hope it was helpful to you and practical for your life. Ultimately, we pray that this inspired you to consider taking a next step in your relationship with Jesus, whatever that may look like for you. If that's something you would like to do, we would encourage you to get in touch with us via the details in the podcast description. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.